this story, if you uh, knew and old Christians as well, if this story in Numbers 13, and we're talking about the story of the children of Israel that have come now to the, you might say, the gate of the promised land, and they're ready to go in. God has sent in the spies. And this is a, there's something about this story that in some ways is one of those one of those moments in time where you just see that the children of Israel have pushed God too far. And they, 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 pushed, they pushed hard throughout their history against God. But in this, in this case, um, God was, to say displeased is a bit of an understatement, but God was ex extremely displeased with them. It is a landmark event, this, in the Bible. There's so, so, so many other things that come out of this story, things that we know about God and things that, that are even doctrinal in our Bible that come from this story. It is a landmark story of the Bible. The, the more you understand this story, as you read other portions of the Bible, you're going to find this story is going to be referenced. And, and I'm still crossing things uh, from now and then that things go back to this story again that I didn't realize had anything to do with this story. And then all of a sudden just illuminated like, oh my goodness, this goes back to that. So this story of the Bible is something that is, I would tell you, very sensitive in a negative way towards the Israelites, um, very sensitive to God. The reason for it is this. I, th I believe this is a big piece of it. The children of Israel, of course, were in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. And so during this span of time, um, obviously they've been, they've been slaves and captives and in Egypt, and God sends Moses in there. And of course, he's, he was raised in Pharaoh's house. You know some of the story of Moses. And his, obviously his parents were Israelite couple who had great faith in God. The expectation and the command of the government of, of uh, the Pharaoh was that they, they throw their babies and, and basically kill their babies. And they, they saw that it was a goodly child, the Bible says. I believe it uses the word goodly. And so they, they hit him in the bulrushes and, and they spared him. And of course, the, the Pharaoh's daughter, I believe it was, found, found him and raised him as her own. He's raised in Pharaoh's household. And then as he gets older, he realizes that he is an Israelite. And so they certainly has many, many, you might say, great options in life to be perhaps even the next Pharaoh. He has all kinds of opportunities that he can have based on the fact that he was raised in Pharaoh's house. Can you imagine? He realizes that he's an Israelite, and one day he's perhaps taking a walk, but he's, he's in, the, in the neighborhood and he's watching the the slaves being beaten and, and just mistreated. And um, he sees one and he, he intervenes and winds up killing uh, one of Pharaoh's soldiers uh, who was beating one of the Israeli slaves. As you know, he, he runs from this. And for 40 years, he is tending the sheep. 40 years, that's a pretty good span of time, is it not? So he's run from this, realizing that... Um, probably not knowing what the outcome would be, but certainly possibly uh, himself be killed for it. So he, he runs, 
gone 40 years and God brings him back there and as you know he didn't want to speak and he brings Aaron his brother with him and they come back and all the miracles that take place by the remember the rod of Moses and all the the plagues that came across this land until finally Pharaoh just is basically get everybody and get out of here and they spoiled their stuff. I mean, the people just were heaping their gems, everything. They just get out of our country. They were so uh, overwhelmed by the locusts and all the different things, flies, just everything that was all these different things. And so then the, the, final, the final kick is that Pharaoh comes to himself and decides he's, gonna, he's just going to chase them down and no doubt kill, kill the Israelites and of course, chases them right into the river that God has parted for them to dry on dry land. And so these folks, here they are. They see these water part, dry ground. They walk across it. All the plagues, all the stuff that they left with, with their, their wealth of Egypt was spoiled by the Israelites. They've got the wealth of Egypt with them. They leave. And it's a great and mighty, powerful miracle of God. And, of course, they chase him through the water. He brings the water down upon them and kills all the armies of Pharaoh as if it wasn't bad enough for, for that whole nation to see this happen. This is something that is just a landmark miracle and a landmark thing of the Bible is the deliverance of Israel. The next step, though, for God is that he's going to take them to the land that he promised to Abraham. The promise, literally the promised land, Canaan land. Sing songs about it, but here they, they've, they've come out, they've seen this, this miracle. And, and can you imagine seeing something like this take place? And I'm going to talk about Charleston Heston, the real deal. Right? Somebody can say, I saw it. Right? Uh, yeah, there's an old movie there. But, it's, uh, but this miracle is such a standout with God. And now he has led them. They've come to the promised land. Chapter 13 and verse number one. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan. Can you see the next phrase? Read it with me if you see it. Which I give unto the children of Israel. They already knew it was promised to them. But now here they are. They're ready to go in. And God has told them, I'm giving it to you. If God tells you he's giving it to you, he's giving it to you. After all the miracles that they saw in Egypt, they get to this point to where they're going to go in. As you know, they send the 12 spies in. And the spies come back. And unfortunately, and we see in the scriptures here, if you look at verse number 30 of chapter 13, they've arrived back. The spies have come from the land. I'll go to verse 29, 13, 29. And so they come back. The Amalekites dwell in the land. This is, this is the spies that have been in the land. They're coming back. Now this is, their, this is what they're telling them. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able 
to overcome it. I love that Caleb just jumped right in there. Before they even got the report finished, he just jumped right in. Let us go now. We are well able to take it. Let's go. Let, let's, stop, let's stop questioning whether God's given it to us or not, right? What, what, why, are we, why are we having this discussion? He just butts in and said, let's go. Right now, we are well able to take it. Verse 31, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which had searched in, uh, unto the children of Israel, saying the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And they, there we saw the giants and the sons of Anak, and, and which come with the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. Um, as you can see here, they instantly tell the people about which, what I just read to you. We're like grasshoppers. We can't take them. Uh, they're, they're men of great stature. Obviously, they're called, you know, giants. We're grasshoppers. This is a very inflated report. They were not like grasshoppers in their sight, right? No, they, they weren't like grasshoppers. You see what's happening here? They got this, they're already stretching the truth. Of, so we got some real exaggeration going on here. And we're not capable of going in. Uh, the, the giants and all these things. So as we know, they did not go in. They changed their mind, I suppose it was the next day, if you're reading the scriptures here in chapter 14, but just within a short span, they, they changed their mind and say, oh, God, let us go back in. And God says, oh, no, no, you don't go back in. And we know what God did as a result of this. God was beyond offended with this. Can you imagine what God has done and what they have seen with their own eyes and then to come and say, well, we just can't defeat this enemy. Are you kidding? This is not the armies of Pharaoh. You've seen them defeated. You've seen the water part. You've seen these great miracles. And yet you come to the, the point of the promised land that I promised you, that I told you, it's yours. It's gone through generations of promises from Abraham down to you, and now it's time to go in. And guess what happened? They didn't have any faith to do it. They had no faith. When I say this is such a pivotal chapter and story of the Bible, because the Christianity, everything that we know about God, comes through what channel is it? Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible. You can't please God without it. And so now they've come to this, this, and now they want to go in, and, and God, of course, says, no, uh, you missed your opportunity. And they have, uh, I didn't know the words to say, but they have really brought God on the wrong side of them. And now God says, no, you will wander in the wilderness. That's where you'll go. And everybody that's above 20 years old will die in the wilderness, and you'll be there 40 years and you'll die in the wilderness. What a group this was in the wilderness. Somebody in the house, what went on from these people in the wilderness? What's a word that pops in your head about them? Murmuring. 
Another one? What's that? They were wandering in the wilderness. Complaining? Rising up against Moses? What in the world happened here? We had a people that had the hand of God just leading them straight in. Victory was guaranteed. Everything that happened here, you realize Joshua later comes in there and guess what happens? God tells Joshua, you'll win every battle and you'll never lose a man. Up until what? Achan, of course, stole that which God told him not to take. And so they lost one battle. But of that, you, you get to the rest of the story and they conquered that land without losing anyone. What in the power of God? Can you imagine that? They took Jericho. Jericho was impossible. It was surrounded by the Great Wall, and there was no way of penetrating it. And yet they saw God bring the wall down. All these things that happened, and these folks are, are so obstinate to go into the land, and they missed the opportunity that they had, and wound, wound up two million of them died out of God's will. It is a landmark story. You're going to find this story in the, in the Gospels. You're going to find this story in the epistles. And you're going to find references throughout the Bible to this story. This story so offended God, he reminds Israel of it over and over and over again. Then we come to the New Testament, and he's, the, the apostles are still talking about this story. This was not just your average offense to God. This was something that absolutely was in the face of God having ever, the great miracles, and he would call their attention to it over and over again, the great miracles that I showed you. And he's always referring back to Egypt, and this is a powerful story in the Bible. Just for us as believers, when we see the leaving of Israel coming out of Egypt and crossing over the Red Sea, that is a picture of salvation. Why? What were they in? They were in bondage, and they were in slavery in the land of Pharaoh, in the land of Egypt. They were in bondage, and what happened? God brought them into freedom, out of the land, out of bondage, out of slavery. And so that's a picture of salvation to us. We come to Christ, and we come to Christ with our sins that so easily beset us. We come back, we come to Christ with all this baggage. And what does he do? He forgives it. And so we, these people coming out of the land miraculously, without a fight, spoil the land. And, and so it's a picture of coming out of bondage and into freedom. And when we, when we trust Christ as your Savior, what happens? God frees you from that bondage of sin, and you can come over and you can live a new life in Christ. The promised land is God's will for believers. The victorious Christian life is in the promised land. And so when you see, we talk about a victori living a victorious Christian life, what is it? The picture of them that is, for us is the victorious Christian life. Coming out of Egypt is picture of salvation. Going into the promised land, God's will for your life. That is what, what we see, a victorious Christian life is in the promised land. The, the wilderness for a Christian, in other words, you're out of the will of God and you're in the wilderness in the wilderness is out of, out of the will of God. So we have those three things that we see that picture salvation, a victorious Christian life, and then walking in the wilderness, a Christian that's backslidden. What is he doing? He is out of the will of God. He's wandering in the wilderness. These folks are 40 years, the rest of their life, 40 years out of God's will, just wandering. I would dare say that there are more Christians wandering outside of God's will than there are 
faithfully serving the Lord and in God's will. And that, that, that probably is way beyond what we would even consider. How many Christians that truly are walking in God's will, serving the Lord in the local New Testament church and in God's will, serving the Lord, and how many people are out of God's will, wandering in the wilderness, and here God has won the battles. He has a will for your life. He's given you direction. And yet, it's so difficult, or I should say so easy, to simply get into the land out of God's will, wandering in the wilderness, honestly, aimlessly, accomplishing nothing for the will of God in your life and all the things that God has for you, all the blessings that God has. We can look at this story and we can ask ourselves, why would I want to be out of the will of God? I want to be in victory. I want to be in the promised land. I don't want to be losing the battles. I want to be in the, in, in the promised land, winning the battles, defeating the giants, taking the land as, as Joshua did in the children of Israel and dividing up the land. And, of course, Joshua and Caleb, the only two that got to go into it. All the rest of them, where did they go? They wandered. Were they still the children of God? Did he still feed them? Did he still get them water? Did he still care for them? Oh, yes, but it was a bare minimum. It was not a blessed life. It was out of God's will, wandering in the wilderness. Honestly, a very miserable life that was filled with complaining, murmuring, all, all kinds of things that are going on. And we're seeing throughout that wilderness trip, we're seeing people that are dying. We have all kinds of things that are going on in there and so much uh, discontentment within the heart of the people. Why? They're not in the will of God. And it's exactly what we're going to experience in, in, in our lives when we're not in God's will. We're going to find this discontentment. We're going to find uh, we're uh, murmuring and complaining. Why? Because we're not in the will of God. We're not obeying God. And we're not doing what he would have us do. And these folks are such a standout picture of the Christian life for us and how we can walk in God's will and walk in God's... When I say blessing... I, you know, it's not always going to be a blessed life, and God is going to bring us into trials. He's going to bring us into things that he's going to move us forward in the faith, grow our faith, and so it's not always going to be a, a silver lining. But when you're in the will of God and God is testing you, God is trying you, you're, you're not in despair. You understand that God is in your life. You realize that you're walking with God, and you're not, you're not being punished and you realize that God is doing something in your life, and it may be very painful in your life, but you know, you know that there's a purpose and a plan. Why? Because you're in the will of God. It's a Sunday night crowd. I dare say probably most of the crowd is tonight is walking in the will of God. You're in the place where you ought to be on Sunday night. You're in the will of God. You're in church. You're, you, doors are open. You're here. It's a great crowd tonight. But it's because you have a desire to learn and, and study and be with Christian people. What is that? It's a place of the will of God in your life. We had 10 faithless men. It canceled out the promises of God for the nation. 10 faithless. I mean, can you imagine being these 10 guys and all the history that has come out of the, and the stories in the history of this nation from these 10 men, that whole generation is the blessings and the will of God, they could, have, they could have been in the promised land. They could have had the grapes and all the, all the pomegranates, and they could have had the wealth of the land and not even lost one person. Instead, two million of them die out of the will of God. Christians, I would tell you tonight, don't die in the will of, out of the will of God. There will be trials, there will be battles, but God guaranteed these people the victory. Do you realize, Christians, we don't have to be defeated in life? 
We're going to have trials. We're going to have tribulation, but we don't have to be defeated. Walking in the will of God is, is the victorious Christian life. And honestly, it doesn't mean that you will be without troubles. But you always know that there is a purpose and a plan, and God is doing something in your life when you're walking in his will. Even if it's not an easy road, God is doing something. God is working in your heart, in your life, to accomplish his will through you. They doubted God's promise. I, we read the verse, uh, verse 13, 1. I gave unto the children of Israel. It says, uh, I'll read the whole verse. Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I gave unto the children of Israel. It was given to them. It was theirs for the taking, and they turned away from God's will and walked away from it. They doubted his promise. Secondly, they discouraged God's people. If you look over at... Uh, Let's look at uh, 1331. But the men that went up with him said, we, will, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, the land through which we have gone to search it, the land that eateth up the inhabitants and so on. Read it a moment ago. What did they do? They discouraged the people. And you see here in chapter 14, they lifted up their voices and the people wept all night. They discouraged the people from going into the will of God and the people are weeping. This is the outcome of not having faith in God, not obeying God, is you find that uh, your doubts will often discourage other people. Be careful about that. You realize you can discourage other people in the path. It's not hard to do. It comes very easily. They doubted, they discouraged, and then they defied God's will and wound up totally losing the lives of all the adult people. Fortunately, the next generation followed Joshua and were given victory and were in the will of God. And God won just battle after battle with them. What does it wilderness behavior look like? I asked the audience a moment ago what it looks like, and it looks like murmuring. It looks like complaining. That's what it looks like to be in the wilderness, out of God's will. That's what your life is going to look like. And you know what? It comes very, very easy for us, does it not? We all gravitate to it. It's easy. To, it's easy. When the people heard this evil report, you notice how they were swaying that way? They were, they were not easy. The first thing they heard came out of Caleb. And he's saying, we can, we're well able. But very, very rapidly, the people moved. Why? Because we very naturally, we, we go after it. You turn on a news station. And it, even if it's something that you consider to be um, conservative, TV or radio or whatever, just say it's in, in, and you're pretty much in agreement. That I will tell you that still the vast majority of what you're going to hear is somebody that is criticizing, complaining, and murmuring. That is going to be the vast majority of the material. And if they weren't doing that, you know what you would do? You'd go to another channel. <laughs> because we gravitate to that. Yeah, man, that's right. You know, that guy shouldn't have done that, or this guy should have been this, or we shouldn't have got that guy, or we should have had that guy. And all this, it is just a, const, it is a constant flow of murmuring and complaining. Why? Because it's what our nature likes. 
man, we want to hear that guy tore down. We want to hear this person made fun of. We want That's what we want to hear. And, and we will gravitate to it. And we'll find a station that's going to tear somebody apart that we, that we want to be torn apart. Or we, we want to hear the bad news that just happened. Bad decisions somebody we just like just made. And boy, we will just gravitate to that. Why is that's our nature? These people have seen a mighty miracle of God that took place coming out of the promised land. Unbelievable. It's a standout for the whole Bible. God references it. The great miracles. And yet we still, as believers, we still go back to our nature and we will not be so much attached to those things that are going well, but we'll be attracted to those things that are going negative to our enemies rather than honestly just shutting it off. I can take very little news because I find within five or ten minutes, it's like, okay, that's enough, bye. You know, I, I was hoping to get something. I was hoping to get some news, right? And, and that's not what I'm getting. All I'm getting is chatter, chatter, chatter about negative things that are trying to entice me to join in on their, their negative things, which are truly negative. Do we need to stay in the dark? I suppose not. But at the end of the day, we don't want to be caught up because what happens with it is, is you don't just apply it to that one area of life. You find that it is within you, and now you turn into a murmur and a complainer too. And you don't realize it's because you're listening to somebody murmur and complain about other things, and you find now things that, 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 that bother you that now you're going to murmur and complain about. Why? Because we're listening to it, and it's what our, our nature likes. I mean, we got a whole group of people, an entire nation, that are now in the wilderness. Their lives are destroyed. And what do they do when they get there? They spend the rest of their life murmuring and complaining. And, and seeing God's hand of judgment against them, even though they know they're going to die there, just see God working against them over and over again. Why? The attitude they brought into the wilderness Ladies and gentlemen, we are in a, we're in a span of time in our country where there is just so much negative, bad news. It just is. I, it's just so much of it. I mean, it doesn't matter which way we look as Christians. I mean, it's, it's just going the wrong direction. But can we do something different in our lives? Let's don't become a spiritual graveyard as a church looking to just blame everybody for everything or the government or fill in the blank. There's all kinds of things going on and it's, 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 it's coming at us, as I said, in every direction. Let's be people of faith. How do we stay on a victory road? How do we stay in victory and not get caught up into, I, I would say, dare say some of, the, some of the hardest days in our country outside of war, but these are very difficult days for us as believers and for our countrymen. How do we stay on track? Walk with God. You say, well, Pastor, I knew that. Walk with God anyway. What's walking with God? I am, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for prayer time, devotions, all those things. But it doesn't stop there. That's not walking with God. That's a great habit, and I would commend you for it and say it's a great thing. But that's, that's not walking with God. Walking with God is walking with God. It's, it's, it's throughout your day. It's a walk. It's, it's, not, it's not just a, a devotion. It's, it is that. 
but it's it's not that just once a day it's it's through through the day I would just tell you there is so much happens moment by moment in your life that if you just get a habit of commenting to God about it because he's with you amen he's there he's with us I mean it's just I don't mean trivia but sometimes just trivia just little things that maybe maybe you maybe you just missed an accident and you slammed on your brakes and well thank you Lord that you just spared me from an accident just and it may not be that it might just be something simple maybe somebody just uh, whatever gives you a piece of pie you know that you didn't see coming and you're eating it and you go Lord this is really good thank you for this piece of pie you say, well, Pastor, that's ridiculous. No, it's not. He's with you. Don, if you were in the car with me, I'd tell you, man, this pie is good, right? I would. Well, God's, God's with you. Lord, thank you for this piece of pie. This is really delicious. Thank you for it. It's, not the, it's just a walk with God and the awareness that God is with you. You wake up in the night. You know, pray, pray for folks that you need prayer. I mean... I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but, you know, just waking up in the night. Um, I would always pray for Pastor Kip and all the morals. I just wake up and that just the first thing I would think of is, is just a heartache that they're just during this span of time of the, of the cancer or the tumor. And, and just over this, I know it's been a long span. But I just, I, I can't get it off my mind and heart. And, and the heartache that Mrs. Morrow lost her husband and grandchild, now a son, it's just on my heart. But just just in the night, you know, you know, somebody in the church, you know, this precious family that lost their little five-year-old, four-year-old daughter, Lacey and Nick. Just pray for them in the night. You wake up. Uh, you younger people are sleeping through the night, but most of the, most of the older folks are, are waking up in the night. What comes to your mind? What comes to your heart? Just why don't you bring it to the Lord and pray for that person in the night? You're just going to lay there and count sheep anyway or whatever. You're not going to sleep. And you know what? God may give you some rest if you just start talking to him. But let's, you know, you're in your car. You're in, I don't know what your, what your situation in life is, but... Um, most of my life, the grand share of it has been alone. Uh, just the nature of the work I've done over the years, I've been alone most of my life. And so I'm just, you know, in, in situations where I just, I find it easy just to say something to the Lord because I'm alone. And I'm not, this is not a complaint. That's just my life is a very blessed life, but it's just the work that I've done over the years. It's just I've, I've worked alone always. And, and I... I um, I used to ask the Lord about that. You know, it's Lord, I love people, and I feel like I'm alone all the time. But I, I really, I, I, it's not a complaint. I, I rather learned to enjoy the, that time, and uh, just there was a lot of blessings that I received because of that. And there was a lot of bad things that I would have had to suffer working with worldly people all the time as well, right? And so it was a blessing to me, and I, I enjoyed it. Of course, listen to things on on. Uh, cassette tapes Dan right back in the day and had a cassette player and, and then it was a CD and you know now you still got some CDs but now that stuff is kind of in the rearview mirror take advantage of walking with God 
it, it is not a difficult trek. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a very simple. It says, oh, Pastor, how would I walk with God? Just be aware of the fact that he's with you. Reach out to him. You have the Holy Spirit within you. And it's not like you're going to spend the whole time in prayer. It's just you might, you know, from here to the church, you know, it just there might be two or three things that strike me. Maybe it's a prayer, and you know, I'll pray for somebody in the church. Maybe it's, maybe it's just something that, that happened, you know. It's, it's like I just got a Diet Coke. You know, I'll say, Lord, thanks for the Diet Coke. I love a Diet Coke in the morning like you coffee drinkers, right? It just, I, I mean, it's just, it's just walking with God. It's, it's, not, it's, not, a, it's not a chore. It's not, it's not like, oh, how am I going to do this? It's just a walk. It's, it's not like, you know, you're super Christian because you do it. It's just awareness that he's there. Aline, if you're in the car with me, you know what I mean? I wouldn't, I wouldn't drive to the church or drive to Indiana and never, never act like you're in the car. You know, I just be, let's talk, right? Understand that the God is with you. And if you're going to triumph, if you're going to be in a victory road, if you walk with God, it's going to sure point you in the right direction. Read God's word. Especially, I would say, if there's something that is your situation in life. But the Proverbs just helps all of us. It just helps all of us. There's, there's just so many Proverbs that, that just are just wonderful. And it will help all of us in our walk with God. We're going to find out. You'll find out in Proverbs, in spite of the way it appears. But you're going to find out stuff that God likes. And you're going to find out stuff that God doesn't like. Amen. And you're going to find out a lot about God in the Proverbs. Psalms, but just the reading of the Word of God, the walking through the Bible and reading it through. Read God's Word. Talk to God throughout the day. Read His Word. The wilderness will always attract our flesh. It will never stop. It is our sin nature, and I cannot wait to get rid of it. I just, uh, that's one of my great things that I think of heaven is just being rid of the nature that we have. I just, I'm weary of it. And I so long for the nature to be of God, not of this world and not of our own flesh and not being so easily tempted, not being so uh, so easily turned away from the Lord. All these other things that come so natural to us that we hate. Paul said the things, things that I hate seem to be the things that I do, right? And the things I really want to do are the things that I don't do. And instantly we would read that and we go, I'm with you, Paul. Look forward to the day when we're not in that situation. But until then, let's stay on the victory road. Walk with God. Read God's word. Our theme for this year is draw me nearer. Draw me nearer, precious Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Draw me nearer. What's your relationship with Christ tonight? None of us have anything to brag about ever. None of, none of us are where we ought to be spiritually. I, it, just, it just is. But I would ask you to look, look in your heart tonight and say, what, what can I do to move forward? What can I, how can I get nearer to the Lord? How can I do that? Maybe there's just something tonight that tweaked you and said, you know what? I can do that. I can start thinking about God throughout my day, not just at certain times. I can just be aware of the fact it's it's just it's it's kind of something that just 
I don't even want to call it a habit. It's just an awareness that you, you're, you're just, it's an automatic that you think, know that God is with you. It'll, t it'll take you a little time to, to, to attain that awareness. And certainly, you know, I'm not nearly as aware as I should be by any means. But I just, I just enjoy the little things of life, RJ. You know, just you get in the shower. Lord, this is great. Thank you for a hot shower. I love a hot shower in the morning, right? Even in the summertime. But, but there's just so many things that we have in life that we just, we just run in through life with blessing after blessing after blessing, goodness after goodness, protections, all these things, air that we breathe. I mean, there's just every moment of the day, there's something going on in your life that God's providing for you. Just become aware, more of aware of God. It's not just a walk, it's just an awareness, but it, the Bible calls it a walk. Draw us nearer. Let's all stand together. Heavenly Father, don't know what the invitation is tonight exactly. For some, a thought came to them that I didn't even say, but a thought came to them of something they can do to draw nearer, something simple that they could do. Lord, I pray that you would indeed, as a church, as individuals, that we would draw nearer. Father, the commandment and the thing you desire the most from us is that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart. But Father, we're going to have to be aware of your presence with us if we're going to give that love to you. Father, forgive us for the majority of our life, the majority of our time. We find ourselves very unaware of our God with us. Thank you that you sent your son, Emmanuel, God with us, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that's within us. Thank you for the God in heaven that longs to hear our prayers. Thank you that you hear and you answer. Lord, I pray you bless the invitation tonight to thy honor and glory. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.